1: Three episode one of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me surviving into season three are my two co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle
2: Wheeler. Hey everybody.
1: And we've pulled him out for more of our sci-fi expertise today. Mr. JV Lovett is back with us. Hello. And if you guys are just now hopping in, we are Comic Book Nation, uh, the official podcast of comicbook.com, where we cover all things geek culture, uh, round the clock, nonstop. And uh, this is our podcast where we get to kind of expand the conversation that we have in articles and features on the site, and our many arguments that we used to have in the office back when we Aww. still had an office. And here in Comic Book Nation, we can, like I said, we can take kind of the big topics of conversation and geek them and kind of expand them and uh, have them with you guys and with each other. And so uh, that's what we do. One day we hope to be back in the studio like we were in season one, but uh, we've been making the best of it over the last year in these kind of quarantine themed episodes. And so uh, today we're kicking off 2021 with some big new things that we're going to talk about in the next era of both DC and Star Wars. So, today we will be kind of going through Star Wars The High Republic, which has just launched, and DC's Future State, which is also just launched, plus me and Jamie are going to kind of warp into some Star Trek Discovery Season 3 finale talk, and where the show is boldly going for Season 4. So be sure to stay in tune for all of that, and let's get started right at the top with DC Future State. Yeah! you are really enthusiastic. Hopefully that enthusiasm (laughs) carries over to the actual books we're going to be talking about. So DC Future State, Matt, tell us what it is, tell us what we're getting into, and tell us which kind of first slate of books we are going to be looking at today.
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, Future State launches from the final issue of Dark Knight's Death Metal, uh, which kind of sets uh, the stage for like the universe moving forward. And this is one of those possible futures. And so for the next two months, we're going to see a bunch of different series, a bunch of different characters are placed with a lot of legacy characters, sometimes in like Wonder Woman's case, new characters. And we're still going to get those iconic uh, iconic characters as well in their Whoa, own man. stories.
1: Taking it back to Kavit in season one. Yeah, iconic. yeah. Uh,
0: iconic characters uh, coming back in their own stories. And then this will all sort of converge onto... Uh, Infinite Frontier, which comes out, I believe, towards like the end of March um, or April. Beginning. I can't remember exactly when. So that's the stage for future State. So, of course, we have the next Batman, which is probably the biggest uh, one right next to Wonder Woman. Uh, and then we have Harley Quinn, Swamp Thing, uh, Superman, Man of Metropolis. And uh, we also have The Flash, which I didn't remember it because it's a little forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> to be wow. fair, in my in that, my defense, uh, it's a little forgettable. Uh, so those are the big books, of course. The next Batman uh, and uh, Superman have a bunch of backup stories. So there's actually like three stories per issue. Uh, so we've got a lot to get into there. So I guess kind of starting off, uh, you know, what is the book that stood out to everybody kind of reading through? And sorry, Janelle, I threw like seven books at Janelle <laughs> before the show.
2: So. It's okay. I love it. I'm having a blast. This is great. Uh, I guess I'll go first. The one that stood out for me was Wonder Woman. I'm obsessed with her. Uh, the whole storyline is so cool. They're in the underworld. And, oh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers spoilers, spoilers, spoilers on all of these. Um, just crazy about this Wonder Woman. I am so excited to get to know her more. And that is the one that stood out the most to me. And my um, my second one was Swamp Thing, believe it or not. I really loved it. It was just a whole different side of that character that I thought of. And I just, I don't know. It was just really, really interesting to me to see that perspective. And I'm very, very curious of where it's going to go from here. Um, I think it led to a really cool story. So I'm excited about those two.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. No, I feel like uh, uh, Yoda Floor, is like the potential breakout star of 2021 already. I just her and Jerry, her horse, like her that won't her show up. Like it,
2: gosh, yes. the art, the, she's so good.
0: Her hazel eyes world with it being like yeah. an office setting. There's so much cool, there's so many cool things in this book that like if you read one, I feel like that's the one that you need to absolutely read. Uh, I will I will say probably after that. Uh Swamp Thing and the next Batman are kind of are kind of right there. Um the, you know, the next Batman does some interesting things, especially in the backup story with the outsiders. Our boy Brandon Thomas uh wrote that story. So definitely check that out if you're an excellence fans. Um, but there's a lot of cool things a world building in that book that maybe is better as a whole than just like the individual stories themselves. Uh but Swamp Thing, yeah, definitely surprised me. Kofi, what do you think?
1: Um, I guess I got to be the wet blanket. Um, <laughs> this might be somewhat controversial coming from me, uh, but oh. um, I actually thought Wonder Woman was the strongest character in this. I think I'm flipped with you, Matt, on the kind of Batman Superman question. I found the Superman stuff more interesting, more so than I like liked Jonathan Kent as this character. But um, I thought the thing with the kind of remade Brainiac was kind of interesting. I really didn't like the next Batman. And um, I was surprised by that because I'm a big John Ridley fan. And he, I mean, you know, you're talking Oscar winning writer, John Ridley and, you know, Emmy winning writer, but uh, I hate to say this, but I kind of side with like normally the internet trolls that we think we hate on these kinds of issues. (laughs) Um, But I do. I mean, just in, you brought up excellence, which Brandon Thomas writes in this issue. And it's a great point. Like, that story from Brandon Thomas was was good. I liked it with Katana and that kind of yeah. different take on Katana. But I think that, like I like I said, I've been trying to dance around this, but I'm just going to go in. I, I agree with the Internet Trolls that sometimes just doing a swap on an established character to create this kind of event, you know, the whole, we're making Black Batman. Like, it, it kind of felt off and hollow to me. Um It felt like I would rather see a new character, African-American character working in Gotham City, trying to kind of do the same things that we're seeing this Batman do. But it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like that kind of weirdly not pandering, because I don't want to say that because John really, again, very talented writer, but the concept itself, it's like we have Batman, but now he's black. So now he has urban concerns, like not just busting criminals, (laughs) but making sure they don't get killed by the cops. It's like, it feels a little too on the nose about you know 2020 and everything that happened over the summer. And it just feels like a very on the nose. In the same way we were talking about Black Batman Black and White and that coronavirus story, yeah. they kind of worked in there. And it was just kind of like, okay, I get it. But it, it felt like, and then the family drama just kind of felt like, I don't know, it was just like, we want family drama, but we want it to be like urban, sort of. And it's just like, So, there is like this slightly urban edge. There's just a lot of things I felt were a little problematic under the surface of the next Batman. And I just didn't feel like the character was that interesting overall. Like, I was just like, okay, well, this is just, again, Batman with slightly more urban concerns. And and, it feels like
2: they didn't give us enough to really be invested in him yet. And I agree with you on that. And I
1: didn't feel like he was a Batman character. Like, I didn't feel like the menace, the kind of things that go into the lore, the darkness, you know, that you're. Doing that, it just felt like somebody cosplaying as Batman. And so I don't feel like that's gonna be a strong choice for this. I feel like the next Batman's gonna be one of those that's destined for the, you know, erasure barrels of the multiverse. But uh <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did like Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman's just the character in the characterization of that mm-hmm. and the horse and the comedy. You know, it did everything with that kind of stuffy Greek god lore that I like in, in making it funny and humorous and um, kind of like what Azarello did back in the day, but like this was good. And this character feels like she could be a great successor to Wonder Woman in being more complicated and having a different kind of attitude. And um, yeah, I, I like that the best. I didn't get to Flash or Swamp Thing. Um, like I said, I spent too much time on these backstories. G- just oh, there's a lot. There's tedious, a, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot. crackers. Like, yeah, there are <laughs> so <laughs> many back backup stories in this. And I, I know they're trying to flesh through...
0: out a world, but like oh yeah. My God. I want to get to Jamie, but just touching on two things because I I I agree with you in almost uh, all of those critiques of the of the next Batman story itself, like that Ridley's chunk of that book, because because I agree that like to me the world setting stuff is more interesting. Even when um I, I had a chance to talk to Ridley about the series and stuff, and I mean this has been in the planning for like a year plus, right? So it's because I even asked like it seems so topical obviously with what's going on in the world. Like did things change or tweak or whatever. And it's been the same book the whole time because you know, like that stuff also doesn't change. Right. Like it's, it's in the zeitgeist right now, but that stuff never changes. And so it's, I I will be interested to see what he does with it moving forward. And I also agree with like Tim, Tim's not very interesting at, at all. And like the, the, drama between the family members is literally like one conversation it's tim and luke and that's really the extent of that night so i want to see them grow that uh in the next few issues and i agree especially reading wonder woman right after it's like there's this it seems like fully developed personality and character here and then you go to tim and it's like who are you i know you're trying to be batman i know you are batman but like who are you so jamie what do you think
3: uh i actually felt like uh, on the whole i felt like uh wonder woman batman swamp things are the ones you want to go out and buy uh harley quinn's okay uh the other two are no thank you Um uh, but i actually thought that for me the next batman was the big standout one um interesting i thought it was interesting the the I wasn't as much interested in the family drama, but I think it was interesting that they, it, it, it's kind of looking at Batman's relationship with authority. And I liked that all of the, uh, the the black people in the story didn't have a monolithic voice that his mother wants the security of the magistrate, even as he's out fighting against it. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought it had, I, I liked Wonder Woman a lot. I thought the next Batman had a little bit more depth to it, but, uh, I thought they were both good, and the art on both is fantastic. Like, Joel yeah. Jones is amazing. Uh, but but Nick Darrington, uh, between this and Batman Universe, and especially with Tamra bon villain on colors, like, he can draw and, and she can color, like, any Batman story, and I will be there to read it. Tamara can color anything.
0: Anything. anything. <laughs> uh, and
3: and to, to Kofi's point, he, he was talking about it missing some of the darkness of Batman. For me, what I miss most in Batman stories is, like, the animated series feel where he's a little bit more compassionate and always concerned with like saving his villains to make sure they don't die that kind of thing so the fact that so much of that next batman issue was spent on him protecting people that that was like that's the kind of batman that i'm often looking for in these stories so uh, i think that maybe is why it worked a little more for me than it, it did for you guys
0: um, well, and you know, it's kind of Jamie touched on it really briefly too, because it's it's actually kind of easy to uh skip over Harley. And I don't know whether that's just because like the other stuff stands out more or if Harley's just like it kind of sits in this on this weird little island of is the of middle of story. Well, it's, I mean it's kind of weird
1: because she's not an active player in the right. story.
0: And I um, think that's the issue. And I think I, it's I think, also
1: that we just thought like white knight is doing this harley quinn story much
0: better than this is i i i cannot tell you how many times it popped up in my mind of like like oh man i'd rather be reading i'd rather be seeing that harley because that harley i love even though there's some really interesting stuff here and also by the way simone de mio fantastic he's a fantastic cool.
3: artist i feel like he was mismatched on this story
0: yeah there i agree Do
3: really big dramatic things but this story yeah. really wanted someone who could do quieter more subtle character stuff because it's almost entirely just a conversation between yeah. harley and crane so you really like oh, it, God, it, i it read that one. <laughs> yeah that that's that's a fair reaction to the story the, yeah.
1: but it, but it, it, it might like, have weird. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's a weird choice for like anime style, which is dynamic and colorful. And this is more like a like a noir story. It's more drab and kind of just conversation and you know, murky stuff and killer stuff. So like I said, White Knight is just doing this story much yeah. better.
0: Agreed. I, I think that's I think that's the biggest thing is that DC has another book with Harley that's just to me more interesting at its core. Uh, and what it's doing so uh did anything else stick out to anybody any any i mean i know kovi wasn't exactly a a giant fan of the next Batman, but you know i like
1: the outsiders i i did like that katana this was a much this was the most interesting katana story i think i've ever read um yeah
0: that's so, one of mine too. Agreed. Yes. Very I mean, that's right. not also saying a lot, party. but that's, well, <laughs> that's true. The bar's, the bar's a little, a little low there, but I think it, I think it did it really well. Janelle, is there a, one of these beautiful. that like caught your attention well, but, to like go forward?
2: Since we're talking about Katana. I mean, I just thought it was, it was beautiful. Um, As someone who's not familiar with this character, I grasped it very quickly. I understood what was going on with her and her husband and their relationship. I'm left wondering, um, you know, where it's going from here. I thought the artwork was beautiful. it's just easy to consume. And for me, that's the most important thing as a fresh comic book reader is can I understand the story without knowing the whole background of each character? And I really did. And I really, really thought they did a good job. And the Batman as a whole, it was good. I read it first. So I said, oh, this was great. Like I enjoyed this very much. But then when I moved on to the other comics, my second was Wonder Woman. I just I wanted to read it again. I actually read it twice because it was just so exciting to me. And the story was kind of playful and not as serious. And, you know, I like more of like the fantasy stuff, less of like Gotham City, um, you know, politics and government. I'm just not into it right now. I need a ref- like a break. So, um, yeah. I mean, honestly, at Wonder Woman it stole my heart. I, I just I cannot wait for more of the Wonder Woman. Jerry! Jerry. <laughs> Jerry.
1: I love that the horse doesn't like it takes a while for the horse to get his stuff together.
3: I kept right? doing
2: the walking dead Jerry, the Ezekiel Jerry. Do you guys know? Uh,
3: America Chavez <laughs> feels from Flora. She's yeah. got that same like uh, young girl swagger that America yeah.
0: has. It's it's yeah, really cool. it's awesome. Yeah, I can I see why very, they're already building
3: a TV show around here.
0: Right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you can definitely see a Joelle Jones knock that. the park and i will also be interested to see nubia and what they do with her because like this sets a very high bar so you know and and that premise of course like is completely different than what they're doing here so that's to come in future states so uh just
1: to kind of take us out on this questions do you which parts of this do you think will last and second follow-up question for you matt if this had been dc's original 5g reboot would this have been a disaster
0: Oh man, uh, which things will last? I'll tell you that first because that's easier. <laughs> uh, I will say, um, I will say, Wonder Woman going forward. We already know that uh, when this returns, both of the new Wonder Women will be having some sort of role going forward. I will say, Yara is an easy bet uh, to stick around. Uh, they have been a little less clear on Tim, um, and like they, his he will have a role in the Bat Family, um, but like. They haven't specified how. Um, I don't. I think certain aspects of the next Batman will stick around. I don't know if it will be like as prominent as maybe we th- would expect. Um, that would be from for this first wave. I don't. I don't know if I see like any of the other stuff yet, though. Outside of the Outsiders, because I feel like you could build a whole new series around that team going forward like that could stick around um but i don't necessarily see like the stuff in superman the stuff in flash uh, it's it's very it's stuff that like will feels like it will get undone and then we'll be back to a status quo it doesn't feel like it'll last but some of the stuff from batman and wonder Woman, i feel like will um i think i think this is so different than what 5g was i don't know if there's a direct correlation because like there's elements but like it's I don't know if I can compare the two because like 5G was such a grand changing of things. And, and I, I think this was the right way to go. I ultimately think like this was the better way to go. I do not think 5G would have landed.
1: All right. So that's DC Future State, which you can check out on whenever, wherever comics are sold right now uh, through DC. Yeah. And uh, pick and choose which books you may want to read. We just gave you a good kind of roadmap to how to do all of that. All right. I think we're going to take a break real quick. But when we come back, we are going to get real sci-fi geeky with Star Wars, The High Republic, Star Trek, Discovery. And we'll talk about any little things we want to kind of put on you guys' radar in our mention section. So stay tuned for all of that.
4: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com audio. Visit iXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Okay, here we are. We're back. So 2021, new things coming. We did DC Future State. Now let's talk about the future of Star Wars. So Star Wars has launched the High Republic line, which right now just exists in the form of novels and comics, but will be expanding. There's already uh, Leslie Headland's TV series has been revealed to be the Acolyte, which takes place at the end of this High Republic line. Um, and so it is going to be expanding. And if once you begin to see the High Republic, you begin to see how they've been threading this throughout Star Wars in some key places. There's been like character appearances before this and stuff like that. Uh but uh me and Jamie Lovett both got to preview two of the upcoming big novels in the High Republic, Light of the Jedi, which is out now, and uh Into the Dark, which will be out in February. And the Marvel Comics release of Star Wars The High Republic miniseries happened this week. So that comic has dropped. So Matt and Janelle both got to read it. And uh we'll start with just some impressions. Um jamie and everybody uh, i'll say that uh i've been kind of wonderfully surprised by the high republic i was wondering how this would be if you don't know the premise this is truly like the fat the first time star wars has gotten really a fresh reboot in a sense because this takes place 200 years before the phantom menace and the beginning of the skywalker saga it's at a time after the jedi have defeated the sith empire and the jedi order is strong the republic has grown strong and it's all good and when this series this kind of line begins the jedi are trying to open a major space station out on the frontier they call it of the outer rim territories which we know more about since you know they've been much more thoroughly explored in the star wars saga we know but at this time the jedi are just kind of moving into that section of the universe trying to bring this whole peace you know prosperity democracy thing and uh you know the, the frontier pushes back in some ways let's just say. Uh, and so, Jamie, you got to read uh, Light of the Jedi. I got to read Into the Dark. I don't want to spoil anything for Into the Dark since it's not out until February, except to say that I, I liked it. I'm reading Light of the Jedi now, which is great. Um, Into the Dark is more of a young adult novel. And what I like about it is it, it, it kind of deals with some of the more misfit Jedi characters in this series and their kind of questioning place in the order, and as well as introducing some kind of new smuggler Han Solo types. Uh, and it's all wonderful, and it's wrapped around this mystery of a space station that happens because all these stories are connected and uh, how they end up at this abandoned space station that hides these kind of darker threats. And it was by Claudia Gray, who was a great writer in Star Wars, and I found it really enjoyable. And it's introduced some characters that are quickly becoming my favorite Jedi characters of this line. Jamie, what were your impressions of uh, Light of the Jedi?
3: Uh, I liked it. for uh, On the whole, I liked it. Uh, the first like third of the book is just all about... Uh, showing the kinds of incredible, miraculous things the Jedi can do uh, when they're working together, uh, and there isn't like the shadow of the Sith hanging over them and stuff. Uh, very nicely contrasted to what happens when they don't show up in a, a, a star system just a little ways off. Um, yeah, it's very cool to get to see the Jedi being the the big heroes that people remember them as by the time you get to uh, the Skywalker saga. Like even by the time you get to the Phantom Menace, they're already kind of being compromised by everything uh, Palpatine is doing and by being too ingrained in the Republic. Here you get to see them really just be the the big inspirational, uh, like fantasy heroes that uh, they were kind of meant to be. Uh, Yeah. And then there's the Nihil, which are the new uh, villains, which... I like that they are very much not the Sith. They are, are much more uh, aggressive and less
1: scheming than that. They're like Tusken uh, Raiders with more money.
3: Yeah. Um, I think I think Light of the Jedi, if there's a flaw in Light of the Jedi, I think it spent a little too much time on, like, the Nihil's organizational company meetings, which kind of lessened their mystique. And then it throws a kind of the big villain uh, has a secret origin thing at the end that feels very, like, tacked on as a please come back and read the next book type deal. Uh, but on the whole the adventure of actually reading this book and seeing the Jedi encounter this this new force for the first time is very exciting. It, it's a lot of fun to read and it feels very different from uh, the Star Wars movies in a kind of refreshing way.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing for me. Also, I hate to tell you, but that villain also has a post-credit scene in my book, too. So, (laughs) yeah, this is a running thing uh, in these books right now. There are these weird post-credit scenes. It was like, now there's a new threat. But um, I think what it does for me, I mean, the basic question we have is, does this make Star Wars feel new again and fresh again uh, while still kind of familiar? And I think they're doing a good job of that in threading the needle of that It's also kind of ambitious, they have projects for like Light of the Jedi's an adult novel, Into the Dark, like a young adult novel, A Test of Courage is a kid's book. And then they have comics in that medium. And I like this multi-platform approach to kind of letting everybody kind of get in. And it's an interconnected story. So it's one big story around one big event, the opening of this this beacon and a big disaster event that happens in space to throw it off. And it's all the, since there's such a large cast of Jedi, we get to see how different things are affected by all of this. Let's move to people who aren't. who didn't get the depth of the novels, but are just kind of jumping in. Matt, Janelle, what do you guys think of the High Republic comic, which basically is takes place after the Light of the Jedi, uh, almost like immediately following it, as one of the Jedi Masters in that book is now training a Padawan on a nearby planet. Um, what did you guys think of that, Janelle?
2: Sure. Um, Okay. So (laughs) first and foremost, this is me beginning my entire comic journey with Star Wars. I've only ever consumed the movies. uh, So I was a little nervous. I was intimidated going into it. Um, Right off the bat, first thing I see, a beautiful guide the timeline of where I am, (laughs) where I have been, what I've experienced in the past, including the Mandalorian, the TV show, including all of every single film. It was spectacular because that helped me tremendously. I knew where we were in this one because we're right at the beginning, but to be able to just have that all laid out, awesome. Um, I thought the artwork was lovely. I really enjoyed the storyline. I think it, it was kind of cheeky with this little fairy dude. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. That's what I'm yeah, he's he's little, so I think. He's amazing.
1: I called him a sprite like character when I had to describe it. Yeah,
2: he's, little, he's so funny. And it was not the tone that I had anticipated. I was pleasantly surprised by the whole entire uh, comic. At the end, I'm left with a massive cliffhanger. I want to know what's going on. Um, I felt. Extremely pumped when I got to see Yoda jump into the mix. I was like, oh my gosh, what? Like some yeah, kind of, Yodas up in the mix. He was just kind of thrown in there. Like it was just kind of like, oh, the here question he is. is Janelle, did
0: you read his dialogue like he talks? Uh,
2: absolutely. Okay. <laughs> of course. You have to. Fair.
0: Um,
2: and it was just really it was, it was a really fun book for me. And I really enjoyed it. And I think they did a, a great job. Yeah. I
0: agree. I actually, I, what's funny is I didn't even see the timeline thing. So, like I jumped <laughs> in <mean it. laughs> because like, I don't know, like my, my grasp on like star Wars continuity is a little shaky anyway. So honestly, it probably would have confused me more. <laughs> so I just jumped in. in
1: way, after rise of Skywalker, everybody's is.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I don't feel as bad, but like, I just jumped in. I was like, screw it. I don't know when this happens. I'm going in. And yeah, I, I, it was a really fun, uh, lighthearted. I, I dug the humor. Uh, it was a really fun little adventure and, uh, it introduces you to a lot of the major players and, and most of them seem interesting. And so, I mean, it did enough, um, you know, to, to hook me. Uh, it's like that last, it's like those last, that last page is weird. It felt like kind of just like, I don't know where I was like, I, is he yelling at the sky? He yelling at something in front of him, like I, I didn't quite that, understand
3: that part. That was the one thing, uh, when I was reading the comic, it felt like most all the references to Light of the Jedi you could kind of figure out by context clues, except that last page that they don't yeah, explain. They don't, yeah. Like, he, he's yelling about another Jedi that died during the battle with the Nigh Hill that he was particularly I close know. to, but they don't convey that emotion, okay, at all in the comic. So that <laughs> last page is really just happy. kind of out of
0: nowhere
2: figure yeah. something someone was coming in trying to make him do some dark I, yeah stuff. that's what i
0: thought because i'm like oh yeah. and i don't feel as bad now okay because that was the only thing that kind of <laughs> left me like i don't really get that but otherwise yeah i'm in like it, it made me want i mean the whole point right is to to bring you into universe and to hook you and so it did i i want to see more of these guys who's the lead jedi the one who goes from padawan to jedi what's uh, her name Kreeves, i think Kreeves. Uh cool, cool character and, and I, I like the back and forth. So yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'll say the the High Republic
1: has done a great job. I mean the female Jedi characters, I mean, you know, I'm not one for like empty diversity just as a as a kind of mandate, but like they've actually done a really good job in this fleshing out female characters in Jedi. Um, some in my book, there's a smuggler character who's a main character and, and she's kind of with the Han Solo crew. Um, there's leaders, you know, female leaders that play important roles and, uh, yeah, they've done a really good job kind of fleshing up and pumping up that side and making them actually really great characters. And like Johnny, like, uh, Johnny, geez, like Jamie said, not monoliths, um, you know, very different characters. Like the one in my book, Orla Girani, is... Uh, Jedi called a Wayseeker, who's becoming what's called a Wayseeker, which has very kind of big echoes to what happened with Ahsoka Tano later on. And um, yeah, there's just, there's some really great characters in not just the females. There's also some really great, uh, equally great male characters. Uh, yeah. And so I'm I'm kind of like liking, like I said, what High Republic is doing with these concepts and what Jamie touched on. It's also awesome to see the Jedi be able to use their force powers as one. And there's already been just kind of in the two books and the comic book, there's already been some kind of massive, you know, Jedi group effort force things that have been really cool and kind of really cool to explore about. And just to show you as a juxtaposition about how much the Jedi of the like fall of the Republic era. I mean, you begin to realize like, man, they were off their game. Like they did not know like (laughs) half of this stuff. Um, And even Yoda's interesting because Yoda makes his first appearance in this comic, but, uh, it's a very different Yoda because in this context, what's interesting about the Jedi is there is no one way with an order this big. There is no one way to look at the force. They it, It's actually a debate within them and constantly debated and, and, you know, new ways are explored. And a lot of Jedi are at this point seeking their own ways of interpreting the force, including Yoda, who's not sure about what he even believes in this. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see where those conflicts could come up and, and what they mean for like later down the line and in, in the context that we know. So I invite everybody to check it out. I actually do. So it, it got me back into reading genre fiction again, which I haven't done in a long time. Now I have a bunch of star Wars ebooks. So you did <laughs> your a job. Isn't it? Yeah.
2: There's a question in the chat on the topic of this cross media span for the high Republic. What are your thoughts on lore versus followers? I'm personally excited for the lore, but seem a little overwhelmed by all the media. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that what the strength of this is is you can pick and choose like you can it, it's it is an integral story this first phase so like if you read one thing you can put in like a couple wiki explanations you pretty much get the whole story but all you got to know is there's a starlight beacon opening there's a disaster that happens the Nigh Hill come out of it as these major villains uh, there's another villain threat that I can't kind of get into yet, but that's all you got to know and you can pick your level of access. So if you're an adult and you want the stuff, read Light of the Jedi and maybe Into the Dark and you don't do comics, that's fine. If you like comics, which offer you some awesome visual stuff that's unique to showing you things about the Force and the Jedi you've never even seen before, check out the comics. Do that. You know, if you have young kids who are getting interested in Star Wars, there's plenty of stuff for them. So it's kind of like uh, you you it's like Fight Club. You pick your own level of a Project Mayhem. You pick your own level of access. Right. Um, and involvement. So And and it all works. And if you get hooked into it, then I feel like people will be pulled into learning the larger story and putting all the pieces together and connecting the dots. Um, Because something happens in Light of the Jedi that ripples across this comic, even that ending Jamie was talking about, and then directly ripples into my book uh, because you know the Jedi who dies, you know my book's about her two Padawans, and so you know there's all the effect of that. And so it's really interesting to see the larger story idea that they're kind of weaving together. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. It made me excited for Star Wars and something actually that feels new. So check that out. High Republic. You can get a book. You can get an ebook, You can check out a comic if you just want to get the cheaper way into this. And uh, yeah, and there's free samples everywhere. So check that out. All right, Jamie, real quick. Let's just do some rap on Star Trek Discovery, which is kind of, I mean, really earned its bones in season three. I feel like it's been a breakout mainstream hit. Maybe it's just because people were at home and had to watch the rebroadcasts on TV Or finally get into CBS, all access, that excellent streaming service. But um, yeah, Star Trek Discovery Season 3 wrapped. Jamie, um, what did you think about the season storyline, how it wrapped, and what are you thinking about how the stage was kind of reset for Season 4?
3: I thought, uh, so, you know, I talked about this in my review of the the first episode. Uh, I thought the season story where Dilithium is uh, very limited and people have lost touch with each other, uh, it felt like a very timely reimagining of Star Trek for a world where you know there are similar ecological disasters on our doorstep and people are losing touch with each other. Uh, I think that really bore out nicely throughout the season. Uh, and then I think it came together very nicely uh, in uh, the finale where they kind of all, you know they they solved the problem, they got back in touch with each other. Uh, and I think, The season three finale to me seems to wrap up character arcs that were from the beginning of the show, like uh, big spoilers coming up here. Uh, But, you know, Burnham in episode one is being groomed to be a captain. She finally fulfills that. Uh, Tilly is questioning whether she has what it takes to be a command officer. She figures that out. Uh, Saru is conflicted about being in Starfleet and uh, leaving home. He gets to go home. That's his new mission now. And the the season almost kind of resets at the end now with a more traditional Star Trek mission. You know, she's in charge of a ship. She has a not five year mission, but something similar to go spread hope and dilithium throughout the the galaxy. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see if next season they go with something a little more uh, traditional Star Trek like that, at least to start before God knows there's always something that hits the fan and then things go wrong. But Yeah, I'm very interested in see where it goes from here. And I I think it's a very satisfying conclusion to not just a one season, but a three season arc for these characters.
1: Agreed. Um, Yeah, I think your point was, if this was like a series finale, I could see how that would wrap things up. Um, I'm most excited for what season three did with kind of resetting. Now that Discovery's in this future timeline that's further along in Star Trek than we've been before. It was kind of a wild west out there. And the first basic job of the season was settling that Wild West and or just at least getting a foothold in it. And that's what we did by kind of reestablishing Starfleet, getting the dilithium issue worked out, getting these ships back up and running. And now it just feels like a blank canvas that we have to paint on that can call back to all kinds of things from Star Trek lore. But in this new future setting, it's almost like D.C. future state, except done a little bit better, I would argue. Um But yeah, or the High Republic just I mean, it's kind of similar to Star Wars right now by moving the timeline, you know, drastically away from all this other continuity. You kind of open the door to do familiar things, but new things at the same time. And Discovery did that and kept it interesting in season three. And now that we have a fully operational Starfleet with all these cool new uniforms and technology and stuff. I mean, it's basically like we're getting a whole new Star Trek show. So I'm kind of I'm, I'm also really psyched for that. And if you guys aren't checking it out, please. Go check out Star Trek Discovery. It, it is truly excellent. So, yeah, awesome. Maybe we'll even get these other co hosts in there this year. Looking at
0: you too. You know what? It is on my list, too, bitch. It is on oh, my everything's list. Everything's always on everybody's list. It's yeah. on my list, though. Because, I mean, I swear, every time you and Jamie get on here, <laughs> you almost, you get me to like almost queue it up when I leave. And I, I, just well,
1: that's to, what, I mean, that's what we're working towards. Yes. That's what we're working towards. That's what I'm in it for. All right.
0: So that's it
1: for our regular stuff. We do have some quick mentions at the end of the episode. Matt, you uh, had something you wanted to kind of mention. But here, I'll just throw mine out since I'm already yeah. flattering. Um, I would just say, and along with Star Trek Discovery, uh, CBS All Access All also has The Stand, the new version of Stephen King's The Stand, which I have found really enjoyable. Um, it's a lot better produced than the 90s miniseries but still kind of retains enough of the depth in the characters and things that King really got into in that book. And it might have felt a little scary to watch at the point that it premiered, uh, since we're in the midst of a real pandemic, but a lot of wonderful performances from like James Margden and, and, you know, Greg Kinnear and even Whoopi Goldberg and just a lot of great characters And it. it I haven't really experienced the stand in a long time and this has brought it back in a good way. So I'm really liking that. Um, check that out also the history of swear words on netflix with nick cage hosting is excellent watch this. excellent um i have it on my watch list yeah it's excellent it's it's funny it's crazy seeing nick cage be the one to do this but it's also pretty <laughs> kind of interesting and informative about you know why where swear words come from and why they have such power and what they kind of mean in society so it's actually educational too but uh but good watching there so that's it for me matt
0: that's one of the, by the way, that is one of the best trailers I feel like in a long time. <laughs> that trailer for next show? That is amazing. Is. Um Yeah, so for me, it's just going to be a couple of comic picks. So, of course, we talked about a lot of future state. If there was one book from the group, I would say Wonder Woman number one is the one to check out. But also on the Marvel side of things, uh, Donny Cates has been doing some really interesting things in Thor. And this last couple of issues, especially this one, uh, moves that forward again in some, in some really interesting ways. So, I mean, if you are, if you haven't, picked up a Thor book in a minute, or you are looking for something that's kind of different. I would recommend that definitely. Also Venom uh, actually didn't have a whole issue of someone falling this time. And there's actually a little movement uh, in King of Black. It's still incredibly slow. So I mean, this is not a, a must read by any means, but I thought there was some really interesting things here if you are a fan of the series. So that's what I would recommend.
1: And Janelle, you had something to throw at us, too, from the Marvel camp.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's been pretty known now at this point that I'm a huge, I I, I tend to lean Marvel. So uh, because we have gotten very little content from Marvel, I did decide to jump in and watch Disney Plus's newest release, the uh, Marvel Studios Legends. I'm sure so many of you already know about this and have probably already um, gone and watched it. But they are short little clips um, showing the journey of Wanda. One episode is for Wanda. One episode is for Vision in anticipation for the series that is coming out next week. Um, it was great. Uh, I I know that it was a lot. It's basically, I thought there was going to be a narrator. There's no narrator. I thought that maybe it would be um, some behind the scenes footage. There is none. So what you can expect from that is just perfectly um, calibrated (laughs) snippets and clips from the entire journey that both of them have had throughout the movies, uh, the movie releases. And it paints a really lovely picture in case you kind of um, didn't really focus in on their relationship or either one of their characters uh, throughout the movies. I know it's easy to kind of overlook the characters in certain ways, like during Avengers Endgame and all of that. you just get so caught up in all the other storylines and all the other heroes. And so it's really nice if you just need a really quick refresher or if you are going to try to jump into the show WandaVision Cold Turkey. um, I highly recommend you watch that. And I think they did a spectacular job. at Disney. So um, was it Jamie? Did you say that or Matt that it was like a YouTube fan film kind of thing? Okay, (laughs) it's basically that but done really well they did a good job it's disney like i it's a good job i felt like i was getting ready to go on a ride or something (laughs) so uh i appreciate it i really like it it gets you excited and i cannot wait for next week it's gonna be awesome
1: all right that'll do it for this episode our season three premiere of comic book nation if you are just now getting in the show we put up new episodes weekly on comicbook.com. I think we're going to be moving to Wednesday starting next week. Uh, we will also be putting up special episodes like our Wonder Woman 1984 whenever something big happens. So we'll have regular episodes on Wednesdays, and if anything big happens, we'll have special kind of targeted episode for you guys every time so we can kind of talk through whatever happens, big castings, big movie releases, big TV premieres, all of that stuff. So be on the lookout for those special episodes on well. As well, you can find us wherever you get podcasts from. We post on comicbook.com where you can find episodes. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and uh, all the big ones. Or you can tell your smart home devices to play Comic Book Nation podcast. If you want to talk to us, we have a Twitter handle, at Comic Book Nation. We have a hashtag, hashtag Comic Book Nation. Or, as you can see on the screen, we have our own Twitter handles. I'm at Kofi Outlaw. I'm at C B.
2: I'm at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials
1: uh, I'm at Jamie Lovett Thank you guys again for listening we hope to see you next time as season 3 unfolds hopefully as the entertainment industry gets back to cranking out that content this year it's been a long stretch through 2020 let's go. yeah exactly <laughs> let's go that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation thank you guys for tuning in for season 3 peace